Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Hey, happy new year. How we doing? Nothing like a zero degree morning to test people's commitment to church on Sunday morning, right? But here we are. You made it. You proud. Are you proud of yourself? Should be proud, I guess. That's a, that's sinful, but we should be happy that we made it, right? Amen. Um, how, how, did you guys all have a good new year? And uh, we got, it got a little mixed up because of the snow. Uh, another reason to download the app, I don't know if Taylor mentioned this, but there are push notifications, so we actually can send that out and communicate with everyone a little quicker that way. But unfortunately, we had to cancel New Year's Eve communion because of the snow. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, honestly. And uh, it wasn't just that that we were planning on going to on New Year's Eve, but Katie and I, we had, we had big plans. We were going to celebrate big on New Year's Eve, and that all got canceled because of the snow. But we found ourselves, instead of at a party with a bunch of people, we found ourselves just sitting around a table with some close friends and family. Uh, and it ended up being just a really sweet night where we played some games and had some fun, laughed with one another. And uh, it was interesting uh, just to talk about people's different kind of perspective on New Year's with that group, kind of as we were winding the night down. Uh, but I'm just curious, I guess, out of, this, out of this group that's here with us today, how many of you guys, New Year's comes around and you are like all gung-ho, goals, resolutions, you are just that kind of person. You are wired. You are ready. You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's a safe place. Safe place. There's like six of you. All right. We might be doing a, a message on motivation and passion next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how many of you are just like, dude, it's just another day. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? I want to go to bed at a reasonable time and I'm going to wake up, right? How many of you, I mean, be honest, you get a little anxious about New Year. You get a little kind of just like, oh, okay, what does this next year hold? It's okay. You can raise your hand. You know, I know, I know you're anxious about it, but you can raise your hand. Um, it's just weird that I think this kind of day draws all of that out of different personalities and different people. Um, and it's, there, there really is nothing supernatural or spiritual uh, about a day. It is just another day on the calendar, January 1st, January 2nd. They are just days, just like every other day. And at the same time, I do believe that we serve a God of rhythms and of routines and of patterns um, and, and times to remember and times to celebrate and times to look forward. And so I do think there is something wired into us by our creator, by God, um, that, that kind of comes to this turning point of a new year. And, and at least hopefully you have some sort of eagerness or some sort of expectation, some sense of excitement about the year to come. Right? Hopefully we're not so uh, letting the culture or the world that we're living in, all the cynicism that exists out there and whatever variant is around the next corner that's going to you know, ruin everything. Like hopefully we don't just let that weigh us down. Hopefully we still have some hope for this next year, right? And I think that God has some, I think God has, uh, was, that, was a good, that was a good clap. Thank you. Um, I, I think that there is, there is something to this like fresh start, clean slate, uh, there's 365 new days that are going to be before us before we do this all again next year. You know what I mean? And so going into that with some sense of going, uh, okay, God, what do you want from this year? I think is a good, right, and healthy thing. Uh, the church calendar. I know the church calendar probably sounds like old and archaic and kind of boring to a lot of you, but I find that there's so much just rich beauty in the church calendar. Um, and we just went through probably one of the most popular seasons of Advent where we just anticipate Jesus is coming and we get excited about him putting on flesh and being with us in the Christmas season. And Advent is meant to, in the church calendar, give birth to the season of Epiphany. 
And so the season of Epiphany kicks off this week where we as the church, especially as Gentiles, sort of marvel at the fact that Christ has come, Christ was crucified, and Christ resurrected. And now we get to kind of get stirred up about the implications of all of those things as we consider his ministry and our mission as Christians in the world we're living in. So this is what's great is that like, I think January is not just this cold, dark, boring month. It is a cold, dark, boring month. But there is something else happening spiritually where I think we get drawn into the wonder that is Christ's work in the kingdom now that you and I live in, that we get to be invited into in the season of Epiphany. Um, And so with that, and with kind of just the new year, um, new series, this was always Kent's pattern. And I just, if you didn't know Pastor Kent, if you don't know Pastor Kent, um, he led our church for over 30 years and uh, always had this pattern um, in the fall, he would take some time and get away and seek some direction for the church for the upcoming year. And I always loved just kind of the word that he would bring or the series, the direction that he would bring for the church coming into January. And so it's something that Kate and I have just adopted where we go, okay, um, God, we want you to speak to us and be leading us really just specifically. Like if you could actually just tell us what you want to be going into in the coming year, we want to be listening to what you have to say. And so um, this is a pattern that was marked out for us by Pastor Kent. And now we've continued it where uh, in November of last year, Katie and I got away for a couple days. We just went up to Estes for a couple days. And uh, as we were driving up to Estes, I think the prayer that was on our heart was, God, you are the great physician. Amen? Like he is the great physician. And there are so many things and implications about that, just even as we pray for our own health and stuff like that. But it also is fun to think about that in terms of Christ as the great physician prescribing things to his body that we might be deficient in or that we might be uh, maybe not even deficient in or lacking in, but something that we can grow in in this upcoming year. So our prayer was really simple. God, look at this body at Good Shepherd Church. This is your body. This is your church. What do you want us to develop or grow or be, or be supplemented in in this next year? And we just came before the Lord in that kind of way. God, you, you know everything. You know everything about the health and vibrancy of our church and where you want it to be. And so God, what do you want to do? And it was, it was really clear over that time that God was leading us to this idea of communion, this topic of communion. And so over the next month or so, we're going we're gonna to spend some time looking at not just communion, the sacraments, communion, the time where we come up to the table and we participate and we remember Christ's broken body and shed blood for us. Um, but we're also going to be drawn into this, uh, this lifestyle of communion. Um, this lifestyle of union with Christ, where we can actually experience and walk in his presence daily. So I'd love to just invite all of you into that. As we jump in, um, we're going to open just a short passage here. It's a shorter message this morning, and we're going to leave some time for communion on the back end. But this series is going to be called Body and Blood. Body and Blood. And I just think that graphic is so, so cool. I said it first service. It's still not over. It's just really awesome. So, um, But uh, I want you to read with me out of Luke chapter 22. And then we're going to talk about a few things that we're going to look for in this upcoming series. Um, Then we'll take communion together. So Luke 22, I'd love if you could uh, open it up in front of you. If you have a phone with you or your Bible with you, that'd be great. Um, If not, you can read along on the screen. Luke 22, starting in verse 1, says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. 
And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. I love just the setting that it kind of finds, this passage finds itself in, in our church right now because we were just walking through this Exodus series where we got to see that the feast of unleavened bread is to remind Israel, it's this pattern, this routine given to the people of God to remember that moment when God rescued them so dramatically and so swiftly out of Egypt that they didn't even have a moment for their bread to rise. They didn't even let their bread rise. They just got it. They made it. They baked it and they left. It's the feast of unleavened bread coupled with the Passover. The Passover lamb obviously was this lamb that was given to the people of God so they could slay that lamb, kill that lamb and put its blood on the doorpost of their house. So the judgment that was going to befall the land of Egypt would pass over them so that again, Israel could be saved. So this, this setting, if you can kind of picture yourself here in this moment, sitting at this table with Jesus, the first thing that he does is he ties, he ties the apostles' minds back to this feast and this festival that had been taking place for a, a thou, thousands of years. And he's doing that so that they would remember what had happened before. But he's doing it all in a way to point them to the fact that Jesus, again, is the Passover lamb. He is the point of that whole pattern, that whole feast is all to bring our minds to him and what he's going to do on the cross. So uh, verse seven, I'm sorry, verse eight. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And so he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is, uh, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. It's just this great moment right before Jesus is crucified where he takes the time to sit down with his disciples, with his apostles, and he says, this is going to be something that you do in remembrance of me, something that you do and you participate in to always be mindful of what I have done for you. And so here's, here's kind of the few things that I would love for us to look for in this series. The first thing is that we're going to be taking communion more often as a church together. So I, this is, a, I don't know how this kind of context lands on you. Uh, if like, I know uh, for me, I have this little bit of a Catholic background to me. And so when I think of communion every week, I think back to Catholic church. 
And that's, that's not what we're doing. We're not becoming Catholics. What we are doing is remembering that this meal has been given to the church to constantly be tethered to what Jesus has done for us so that we'd be empowered to do all the things that Jesus has for us. Does that make sense? And so we're going to spend more time as a church body together taking communion for a, a couple different reasons, honestly. Um, one, I had a conversation with a friend over lunch several months ago, and, and he was in a really polite way just saying, hey, the sermons are great. Worship's great. I just love the time when it's not about you or about anybody else on stage, and it's just communion. And we get time to like reflect and dwell on either what's just been preached the word, the word of God that's just been opened, the worship that just has been proclaimed. And we get to stop for a second. We get to just let that land on us as we receive communion or as we pray together. And so we're just, as a church, gonna be looking for more times that we get to make it not about anybody else on this stage and we get to just sit and take communion together. Um, it's, it is a fast-paced, consumer-driven world that we are living in. All right, we can't help that. That is our cultural context that we sit in here in America. And, and I'm not saying that your preferences don't matter. I, I think that um, obviously preferences when we come to a church, they do matter. Like you, you should care if your kids are well taken care of on Sunday morning. Amen? Like it, it should not be something that you just worry about going like, are they going to be safe this morning as they're back in kids ministry, right? Um, you, you shouldn't have to just endure preaching on Sunday morning. You, shouldn't, you should hopefully like or be drawn to the worship music that is being sung on Sunday morning. But the problem is, is when we let all of those preferential things drive church rather than like getting back to just going, okay, God, are you being glorified? Are you being honored by what's being done in this church? So like, hear me, I'm not saying preferences don't matter at all. I'm just saying we shouldn't let our preferences dominate why we go to anywhere as a church. And so my, I, I love that there's a lot, there's people here. Our church has grown quite significantly over the last year. And I just want to make sure that we are consistently going, hey, it's not about us. It's not about me preaching. It's not about Caden leading worship. It's not about Taylor hosting, anybody else that hosts. It's not about anything that happens on the stage. It's about what Jesus is doing in us and through us. Amen. And, and like, if you're just here because you're drawn to the preaching, God bless you. I love you. Like, you are missing so much if you just like what I have to say on Sunday morning. You, you, your invitation every single week is for a deeper relationship with Jesus. And communion forces us to preach to the table where we get to go, okay, now you know what? It's not about anyone that's in this room. It's about one, the one person that matters, Jesus. And we get to just be drawn in and focused in on him on a Sunday morning. Again, like I'm not so naive to think that like people don't pick churches based on their preferences, but if you are continually just church shopping, can I just lovingly tell you, you're never gonna find a perfect church. So just find one that you seem to uh, just go with theologically, one that you know opens up the word of God faithfully, that is contending and pursuing the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning and just plant yourself there and deal with the things you don't like, Right? And in that, what I'm trying to say is we're going to make more time for communion because it makes it not about anybody other than Jesus in that time. So that's number one is we're going to have more time in communion, more time where you get to respond and sit with your King, your Savior. Amen? The second thing that we're going to be looking for is just more, more, um, more depth to our time in communion. So I think even as I came to my understanding of communion as a younger believer, and this is my invitation just for maybe all of you that are newer in your faith or trying to make some development, some growing in your faith, to just say that communion, I always just primarily thought about it as a time of remembering. I mean, Jesus says it himself. He says, do this in remembrance of me. 
And there is a great deal of remembering that we do when we do communion. It is a, it's a huge act of humility to come to the communion table because what we're doing is we step forward and as we take the bread and we take the juice, we're saying, God, without your broken body and your shed blood, I am nothing. Like uh, you have saved me, you have ransomed me. I know that you love me because of your sacrifice for me. Like the, it, is, it is so humbling to receive communion because we are admitting that that sacrifice in and of itself is the only thing that qualifies us to be in the presence of God. And as we remember that, that humility is good for us, isn't it? It's good to, it's good to go, okay, God, uh, you are so great and I'm so small and, and I, can, I can do great things because of what you've done on the cross. Because of your life, death, and resurrection, now I can be empowered and sustained to fulfill the mission and bring the kingdom like you have for me to bring. Um, but it's not just about remembering. It's certainly, it certainly is about remembering. It's not less than remembering, but it is, communion is way more than just something where we remember something that happened in the past. Communion is also experiencing God in the present that we sit in. So, so the moments that we encounter the Spirit of God on a Sunday morning, certainly we encounter the presence of God during worship as we sing to Him. We encounter the, the presence of God as we open up His Word and we get to see what He's taught us through the Bible. Um, but we also get to encounter the presence of God in a very real way as we participate in communion. As we sit and we just, we focus our mind and our heart's attention and our devotion is to him as we take these elements in our hand and we go, God, I, I wanna experience your kindness and your goodness right now, right now. I, I wanna have a deeper understanding of your character in this moment as I sit in this chair in this church. God, would you reveal yourself to me? There, there is this, I mean, you see it as Jesus is implementing this very first uh, last supper communion meal where he's taking the time before his suffering, taking the time before the crucifixion to just sit with his apostles and serve them. And I think we have, every time we take communion, the opportunity to engage with the presence of God right now, not just in a way that remembers what he did back then, but in a way that he's made alive to us in this moment that we're sitting in. And it's not just a past thing that we remember. It's not just a present reality that we get to soak in, but it's also a meal that ties us to the future. So when we, you see it here in the text, he says, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to take the fruit of the vine again uh, until, the, until the kingdom has been fulfilled. And what he's pointing our mind to, the apostle John shows us as he writes down Revelation, that this is meant to draw us to a meal that is going to come, one that hasn't happened yet called the marriage supper of the Lamb where communion also points our mind forward in a way that gives us hope to the fact that this life that we're living in right now is not going to be lived on for forever. But Jesus is going to come and he's going to consummate this age that we're living in and he's going to fulfill everything and he's going to bring the renewal of all things once and forever more. And so we get our hope tied to that day, not to the day that we're living in right now. We go, God, one day you're going to bring an end to the mess that we're living in. And you're going to bring this beautiful renewal, this beautiful heaven on earth is going to be felt finally and fully and for forever. And that's a beautiful thing to get our hope stirred up towards. And communion draws us to that because we know as we look back at Passover, as we look at the Last Supper, and as we look forward to the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, those three meals are inextricably linked together as God's presence with his people. And, and I think that the marriage supper of the lamb, we kind of, we lose some of the significance because we don't do weddings the way they did weddings in Jesus' day. See, because back then there were kind of three phases to a wedding. There was this, there was this uh, like 
contract exchange that would happen between the bridegroom's, uh, the bride's parents and the bridegroom, where they would agree on the wedding, they'd agree on all the terms, and then there would come this engagement period where they would be betrothed to one another, but not yet married. And, and that was the time that, that Joseph and Mary, right there in that betrothed time when Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph is like, man, I don't know, I'm out, I'll just break this out. And God's like, dude, hold up, like, just wait a second. This is obviously the Austin Dykeman paraphrase version, right? But God's like, hold up, I'm doing something here, just stick it out, it's all gonna be good. And, uh, but that's this moment where they're engaged, right? It's the engagement period that we're in now. It's also the engagement period that the church is in right now with Jesus, where, where we know this, this marriage is coming. We know this perfect union with him is coming. And right now we're kind of experiencing it in part, but one day we're gonna to get to experience it in full. So we're in this engagement time, but there is a time coming when the feast is gonna happen. Heaven is described in a lot of different ways. We know a lot of different, really awesome, good things about heaven, about being with God forever. But one of the things we know that it's gonna be like is it's gonna be like a wedding feast. I mean, this is when Jesus turns the water into wine, his first miracle, where that, that celebration would be just so profound and so intimate and it would go on for days. And this is what our union with Christ is gonna look like for forever once we finally get to that moment. And so what communion does is, it, is it's a moment now where we get our hope anchored there, not here. And we get to go, God, okay, how are you gonna use, how are you gonna use these broken and frail situations and circumstances that I live in now? And how are you gonna cause me to put my hope in something that is to come, not something that is, to, that is happening in my life right now? And so communion is this cool kind of like three, um, three different tenses, three different ways, directions that we're looking. We're looking back and remembering what Jesus has done. We're experiencing him right now and we're hoping towards the future as we do communion. So I hope that as we unpack this series and in the weeks to come, we put a little more significance to our time in communion. And the third thing that I hope that we experience is I hope that we experience this lifestyle of communion. We will talk about this in weeks to come as well, but where we get to go, um, you can't, you can't spell communion. You can't get communion without union. This idea that we are, we are brought together in Christ, not just next to Christ, not just with this awareness of Christ, but we are made, we are brought, we are grafted into him, into him. And we have this intimacy that's available with him right now. Uh, and maybe the best way that I could explain this, this happened just yesterday. And so it was real convenient, you know, for the sermon. But um, our, our family missed New Year's Eve communion, which was a bummer. We love New Year's Eve communion. We love when the elders get it to just pray over us and we get to take a moment to reflect backwards on the year that just happened and we get to give thanks to God on what just happened. We get to look forward with some anticipation for what God might do in this next year. And uh, since we missed it, we decided January 1st, kind of we first woke up, got everything going. We just sat down with our kids for a moment and uh, Katie was like, hey, let's just, let's just circle up and pray for just a moment. And so I, like, I so don't want to over-romanticize this moment because Haven, our three-year-old, had just gotten out of the bath. Like she was basically streaking through this whole thing that happened. Harrison, like, like he, bro just can't sit still for more than like four seconds at a time. So he's like flailing about the bed. Like, just don't, don't think of it as just like this squeaky clean. We're all around the table, hands foot. Like it just was, it was real. You know what I'm saying? And we're sitting there and we're praying and we're just taking the time to go back and just, God, God thank you for all the things you did. And we kind of went through each kid and just looked at the things that God shaped and molded in their life and in our lives. And, and then as we were winding down, just felt the sense to go like, hey, you know what? Let's just stop and let's just listen. Let's just listen. Because I don't think that God like just speaks to me or just speaks to us as parents. Like I, I, want, I, want, my, I want my kids to know that God speaks. I want you to know that God speaks to you. Amen? 
And so we just stopped and we're like, all right, hey, just if you get a picture of something, if you get a verse, like just let's just quiet our minds. Let's not think about, I mean, they just got Minecraft for Christmas and it's literally all my kids can talk about, right? It's the, it's the only thing they can talk about. I was like, let's just put that, let's put that aside for a moment, you know, and let's just focus our minds on Jesus. And let's just listen. And so we do that for a few minutes and uh, um, after a little bit, just go, okay, do you guys feel like you heard anything? You feel like you saw anything? And Harper, my oldest, is like, I feel like I saw this picture of a bench. And kind of immediately, I just thought like, man, yeah, like a bench. Who has time to just sit on a bench? You know? Anyone else feel this way? Like a, like a bench to me is like, it's sitting in a park and I'm just like, man, that sounds nice to be the old guy who would just sit on a bench, but like, who has time for that? You know? Like life is just moving so quick. Like I wish I was the kind of guy who had time to just sit on a bench. And I just kind of realized in this moment as we were talking about it, that it's like, Man, Harper, I think what God wants to say through that little bench to you is that like Jesus just wants to sit with you and he wants you to sit with him. And I think that's what this union with Christ should feel like for us as a church. Like, do you get the, do you get the feeling of just how unhurried it would be to just take a moment to just sit on a bench with Jesus and talk with him? And that's the kind of relationship that's available to you and me. Maybe you're, maybe you're not that charismatic and you're like, whoa, I don't know, pictures for a nine-year-old. That sounds a little intense. Well, that's, it, you know, that's how charismatic we are. We believe that God will give pictures to a nine-year-old that would help speak to our whole church. Amen? So I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what your quiet time looks like on a regular basis. I don't know if you even have one. I don't know if you spend time in the word consistently. I don't know if you spend time in prayer consistently. I hope you do. But even, I even know... I, as I spend time consistently with Jesus, it is so often hurried. It's so often rushed. I'm so often thinking about the next thing that I have to do or my to-do list for the day. And I just want us as a church to be so comfortable sitting in the presence of God that it doesn't matter how much time goes by. That we would know that we know this is the most important thing we could ever be doing is sitting down, listening to, talking with, abiding with Jesus. So one of the things we're going to do in this series is we're going to do a 21-day fast. We did this last year, and I just want you to know, just to kind of prepare your heart spiritually and emotionally, uh, I think until the Lord tells me otherwise, until I feel otherwise, we're just going to do a 21-day fast in the month of January every year. Because it's just such a rich opportunity for us to deny ourselves or say no to something of this world so that we can say yes to a more deep, rich awareness of who Jesus is for us personally. And, and we did it. I'm sure if you want to go look and do listen to the teaching that I did on fasting last year, there's so many great things that we can learn and we can know about fasting. But the biggest thing is this. We don't fast to earn some sort of spiritual merit. We fast from a position of love. We fast knowing that God already loves us. God has chosen us. God has called us. And what we do when we fast is we're, we're actually turning our attention and our, our appetites away from the world that we're living in. And we start to hunger, set our mind and set our uh, stomach's attention and hunger on heaven. And we go, Jesus, what do you want from me? How do you want to lead me? How do you want to speak to me? I want you. I just want you. Just like that song we were just singing. And as we fix our appetite there, I believe your appetite for him will only grow. And so I don't feel like it's my job to tell you what kind of fast to do. I think my job is to encourage you to do something that's difficult. Right? Because you, you could say, okay, I'm just going to give up Facebook. I, I hardly ever check it anyways. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that. And you're, the sacrifice that you do minimally will yield minimal results. And so I'm just saying, maybe you consider doing a, a three-day fast, a couple three-day fasts in here. Maybe you want to do the whole thing and you just want to go water only. Maybe you want to do a Daniel fast. Maybe you want to do a liquid fast. Maybe you felt led to do uh, just media. 
gosh, if we just would dump aside the media intake for 21 days, do you know how much time that would free up to just sit and spend with the Lord? So much time. I know you could binge watch that next series for the next 10 hours straight of your life, but you could also sit with Jesus for one hour and everything could be different for you. Right? So like, I guess I want to just, as we kind of finish this, we're going to take communion here and then we're going to sing a song together. I want to speak to the tired mom who's about to start up homeschool again. I just want to say, I, I know you need a nap. And I genuinely do know you need a nap. Like dads, you should maybe take note and give your, give your wife just one more nap before school starts back up again, right? Ladies, you could have said amen there, but you missed it, so you don't get to now. Um, but what you need most, tired and exhausted moms who are stressed out, who are burdened with all the things that are going on in your kids and your family's life, you need a deeper awareness of, of Jesus's presence available to you right now. You need a deeper relationship with him. Some of, some of you business owners in the room, some of you people who have high capacity, high demanding jobs, I know that an hour in the office can make all the difference. You think about how much time one hour could get you just working and grinding things out. And, and I know you need that hour in the office, but you know what you need more than that? You, you need a deeper relationship with Jesus. More than you need that time at work, you need to know more deeply who Christ is and who he, and who he wants to be in your life. For, for some of you dads in the room who feel like you have to always be on, you feel like you have to always show up, you always have to be providing, you always have to be leading. Man, you know what you need more than, more than anything else, more than the next like John Maxwell book or the next John Eldridge book or whatever it is, I'm sure they're all great, but you need more than anything else, a deeper relationship with Jesus, a deeper relationship with him. If you're fighting some sort of sinful behavior, you have some sort of thing that's just kind of lingering, some compulsion that you just keep giving yourself over to, Man, you know what you need more than anything else? John, John 15 shows us that with a deeper relationship, abiding with Christ from a position of love, that's how we're gonna be obedient. You don't try to be obedient so that you can walk more deeply with Jesus. You walk more deeply with Jesus and that will help you be more obedient. That's how the fruit of the spirit comes out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what Galatians shows us. For those things, there isn't the law, the law doesn't apply to those. Why? Because it's this, it's this byproduct of a relationship. It's not a set of rules to follow. So as you press into Jesus, those things, that fruit singular of the spirit becomes, they become to come out of you. So if you're fighting a sin, if you're exhausted, if you're weary, if everything's going great, what you need most deeply is to know more fully in your soul who Christ is to you. You need a deeper reality of his union in you, with you. And so we're gonna take communion here. And my invitation, my ask is this as you approach the communion table today. Um, I ask that you would, you would seek in your own heart if there's any way that you need to repent right now. And I think the visual for communion today, as you come forward and as you get to receive the elements and you get to be drawn into the presence of God, you're walking away from whatever was behind you in the world. Literally, like the doors to leave this place are behind you and you're stepping forward to encounter the presence of God. And that's the invitation of repentance. It's to abandon and leave whatever was behind me to step into God in front of me. Like, God, I want your way, I want your will to be done in my life. And so test your heart, search your heart before you come up and repent of anything. And that's the invitation is not to, well, you're so filthy, you ought to just stay there. No, the invitation is to repent, to come, to experience, to sit in. His presence made available to you. The other thing that I would ask that you would just kind of maybe just invoke your spiritual imagination for just a second and go, God, what, what do you want from my life? 
Epiphany is this great time of the year where we as Christians get to go, God, where's my commitment at with you right now? Where are maybe pockets in my heart that I haven't given over to you yet? How, and maybe it's a good time to renew your commitment to Christ, to go out again, I'm, I'm all in for you. I'm all in for you. And so just take a minute, a minute during communion and go, God, am I walking in all that you have for me right now? And just take a second to dream what it would be like to walk in perfect union with Jesus, where you have the kind of relationship with him where you could just sit down on a bench in an unhurried way and enjoy his presence. So that is the offer I would ask as your hearts are ready to come in communion. And then we'll close out with a song and that'll be that. So come in communion as your heart's ready. God, I pray that we would glorify you in all that we do. Would we make your name known in our homes, in our hearts, but God, also beyond that, I pray that we'd make your name known in our city, in Northern Colorado. God, I pray that this would be a year where we see the church push back darkness all over our city, our state, and our nation. Would the church rise up in this next year to bring glory to your name? It's in that name we pray, Jesus, amen.